Good afternoon. You're very welcome to kind of a random enough uh, episode of the podcast today. Not quite planned. We did expect it to have one later on in the evening. Um, your morning, Aaron, of course, you're over in Melbourne at the moment. But I suppose we've just witnessed probably one of the most dramatic games of football ever, potentially, in terms of the ramifications, uh, men's or women's, at World Cups. Uh, we've seen some big things happen in recent years, but America are out. The USA beaten, um, well, not quite beaten, but knocked out on penalties by Sweden. A fantastic performance, particularly from the Swedish goalkeeper, but from Sweden in total. And uh, you were in the stadium to witness it, Aaron. Um, talk us through the game, of course, uh, and particularly that uh, last goal save fire decision that just sent the whole crowd into kind of, I don't know, it just seemed electric from watching it from... 12, 30, or whatever, whatever thousands of miles away we are, you must have had a ball in the stadium. Oh, unbelievable. I, I put it right up there, one of the top experiences I've, I've had, Gaelic football, whether it be watching the dubs in Gaelic football or watching Ireland. Hamden Park was special when we qualified for the World Cup, had some absolutely special days. And But just for this, it was just it was just something else. The, the crowd was mad. It was pro, it was a real pro USA crowd for a long period of it. The whole "I believe we are, we will win" chance was going constantly throughout the game, and the USA crowd sort of thought with, it, with the way the side were playing, they were probably going to stroll to it. So many chances the USA had. Um, Trinity, Trinity Rodman, I thought, was brilliant for for them. Lindsay Horn had some some fantastic efforts, but as you say, the goalkeeper she just come up trumps. Um, what a performance from her! Like, forget about the penalty shoot. Oh, yes, yeah, she she. She didn't really have much of an impact in the penalty shootout, but the actual her ability to, to single handedly you know, drag her team through that game was was astronomical to watch. And like in terms of goalkeeping performances, it's probably right up there, men's or women's, in terms of a, in terms of a performance because it was just scintillating. And without her, probably would have been five six nil. And you look at the USA side, you're probably thinking for them. It should never have got the extra time. It should never have got that far. They probably should have had them dead and buried. But once it once it kept going, it kept going. I was sitting beside a, a lot of USA journalists, and before kickoff, they were like, they were like, "Oh, I'll take a one 0 win." I was like, "I want the extra time of penalties." <laughs> Straight away, the first thing I said, "I want the whole shit bang." And then I wouldn't mind as it goes the penalties. Then I'm getting text messages off people call it, and I was like, I turned around to to Sophie Downey off girls in the ball, and I was like, call it. She was two of us said Sweden, and. First couple of penalties were brilliant. Then all of a sudden, you had a couple of misses. Then we get the sudden death, and you're thinking, okay, USA goalkeeper steps up first. In sudden death, you're sort of thinking, wow, what's going to happen here? Yeah, that was a brave call. Like, Because um, normally you see the goalkeeper kind of go 11th, but I always think, as, as a probably a failed goalkeeper, I always think that you, you strike a ball more often than most probably, so it's not the end of the world, but it's still in that cauldron to see a goalkeeper step up it it takes a pair of cojones like I'm gonna ask you a question about her. I'm gonna see see did you recognize or did, did RTE show it on the television. Before the penalty shoe how happened when the toss was happening, did you notice something? Oh I didn't I didn't notice anything no. Right. So when the toss was happening, the Swedish goalkeeper stood in the halfway line. The American goalkeeper was down the American end, had her water bottle dropped down, her her towel on the ground, ready to go, and all of a sudden Sweden went to tossing and put the penalties in the Swedish end. She has to, she's the jog up there, and you could see straight away that was sort of one of them little little wins for Sweden. And like as the penalties were going, you were thinking, oh, oh no, um, what's going to happen here? Is Megan is Megan Rapino 
gonna she gonna bury you? <laughs> you know, are they gonna go? Especially after the previous penalty being missing, and then Sophia Smith, somebody who you've raved about having an opportunity yeah. also to send them through and doesn't. And then the last penalty was just was just something else because. I didn't know what was happening, I'll be honest with you. I had no clue what was happening. I was I was looking there to see, is that over the line? Isn't that over the line? And then all of a sudden, we're like, okay, VAR must be checking it. And then... It didn't come to the camera. So from, from watching from home, we didn't see the VAR until after the decision was announced by the referee. But even with the decision of the referee, she just pointed at the penalty spot, or the at center spot, and, and blew her whistle and had to explain to the Swedish penalty taker, uh, uh, Lena, I can't remember her surname now, her, Hertman, Higman or Hurtman? Um, had to explain to her that she'd scored it. Like it was just really strangely delivered, but um, the suspense was just phenomenal. I actually thought she was nearly telling her to take it again at one stage. And it was like, because you could see the Swedish player, I sort of had no clue what, what she was actually saying. And it, it added for more and more drama because the USA players, nobody knew what was happening. The keeper was protesting. What do you think? I know you're, you're, you're a card carrying member of the goalkeeper club. <laughs> Can you say that is conclusively fully over the line? Like it's it's really, really, really tight. Yeah, but the image the image shows it's over the line. Like I think I think it's over the line. Yeah. Is there a clear gap between the line and the ball? There has to be a clear gap. There just has to be over the line. And I think I think one hundred percent of the ball is over the line. Now it is literally like a fraction of a millimeter, but there is it is over the line. Um, but can you imagine like the the, the the distance, like it's so small, like you know that speech from any given Sunday where they talk about inches being the difference between winning and losing. Like you're talking about a fraction of a millimeter. Like it's mm-hmm. there's not even a millimeter between the ball and the and the line, uh, but there is there it is over the line. Like I think it's a goal. I think justice was probably done. I think despite the Americans probably having the best penalties in the in the competition and um. There was a couple of, well, apart from the ones that were missed, obviously, which weren't mi- a million miles away. Like, again, a couple of inches to the left or lower, and both uh, both those goals go in, you know, the one off the bar again. like They weren't Chris Waddle bad. They weren't, like, um, David Beckham bad in that World Cup, you know. It was just it was just unfortunate for the Americans. And then you see the likes of Megan Rapinoe sort of laughing when she misses the penalty, as yeah. if to say, you can't believe it. Or yeah. is it sort of ignorance? that I, I couldn't really... I think, I think maybe the 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 initial um, replay showed her giggling or laughing as she walked away. Um, the the but then they showed a replay of the penalty and the distress on her face when she struck it uh, was fairly evident. I think we, none of us have been in the position of being Megan Rapinoe. Do you know what I mean? So you kind of look at it and you go, it's a "Global icon." Yeah, and and I suppose if you think about it, what was in the back of my mind was. No more than Zidane's head, but in his last game for America, it's like for, for she, fans, for fans. Again. Just, yeah, yeah. She she might just be thinking, all the things I've done, this is going to be what I'm remembered for, and a little wry smile to herself about how it all comes to an end. You know, even though she knew she didn't know it was definitely over at that point, she probably suspected it would be. Um, so I suppose it is what it is in that respect. I, I let her off on that one, but it was strange on first view, and but her her genuine reaction was probably evident in the replay I so for me for me I, I i get where i get where you're coming from but for me probably the winning and losing in this game 
was was the substitution of Trinity Rabin. I thought she was unbelievable. The only thing is, I know she had she had missed training not yesterday, the day before with a cold. So whether that whether that just affected that she couldn't go anymore because I thought she was brilliant for the USA. She was constant down that right flank. I think she fought three or four shots on target, and she was constant. She was constantly giving the Swedes the Swedish defense an awful lot of trouble. And even when she came off, you could sort of see that it was gonna it was drifting away a little bit from the, the USA. Like the clear cut chances sort of dried up a, a little bit. I thought from from a from a USA view, viewpoint though, like you look at Alex Morgan, those people call him the substitute, and then she has an, has an absolute brilliant effort. It, it really was a game, not even just a penalty of the actual game itself, a fine margin. Like it was scintillating to watch. The crowd was epic throughout, and like an interesting staff for you. Uh, without you having to look it up, you'd, you'd be quite interested in this one. There's been three games played in, in the Melbourne. There's three games. There's been three games in the Melbourne Stadium that have finished nil all after after normal time. Two group stage games and today's extra today's knockout game have finished nil all. Haven't seen a goal at all. That's horrific. Uh, that's but yeah, um, it's it's been an interesting. World Cup so far, I suppose we look at some of the big names, individual players who are at this competition. Um, Rapino out, didn't score a goal. Um, Morgan out, didn't score a goal. Marta out, didn't score a goal. Uh, some big teams gone. Canada, the Olympic champions. USA, the World Cup champions. Germany, uh, gone as well. Um, Brazil, they're gone too. Some really, really big names have been eliminated from this competition. Um it's really wide open and we see now four teams already into the last eight, Spain, Netherlands, Japan, Sweden, all with really good shouts of possibly going on to win this competition. The other half, obviously still eight teams in there, uh, France and England, probably the two favorites coming out of that side of the draw. Uh, but Australia and Denmark might have something to say about that, but there's lots of, there's lots of uh, potential here. Every single team that's left in this competition probably has their own name on the trophy at this point. Well, yeah, one or two yeah, aside, like Morocco and Colombia, uh, Jamaica might just be happy to be there. But Colombia? I don't know. Colombia? Colombia are a dark horse for me. Like, watching them beat Germany. England or Nigeria in a quarterfinal? Listen, if the game goes nasty, anything can happen. That's the, that's the thing. And well, like, England pull the players and go, no, we're defending our players. <laughs> Like as you said, as you said to me though, Brefney, before we even start the show, when I sort of said to you about Niger- England, Nigeria, England, Nigeria, be a sh- I said if, if Nigeria is shocking, you turned around and said it wouldn't be a shock. So then again, if for example, if Nigeria were to get past England, and then you'd get potentially a Nigeria Colombia quarter final, it's probably it's 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 anything to, it's anything to play for. From a from a, a Nigeria point viewpoint though, you have to remember Nigeria have great memories of that. Um, that Brisbane Stadium and Suncorp, they beat Australia in the same it's stadium. A, it's a they big, Ireland. it's a big, big ask, I think, for uh, Nigeria to progress uh, past I mean, England. Just on on the knockout teams, like it's it's mad when you look back at it because when you look at the last couple of World Cups, a lot of the major talking points have probably been goalkeeping mistakes, mistakes, and think defensive mistakes that have sort of cost the minnow team, the so-called minnow teams, an awful lot in previous years. Like the standard of goalkeeping in this World Cup is absolutely brilliant. True, there hasn't been really a, a very, very bad goalkeeper in this World Cup, and I think that sort of helped an awful lot close the gap because I think a lot of people probably feared when it went to 32 teams, we're just going to see a, 
a landslide of of heavy defeats. Like I said to you, we we preview we previewed I think it was USA Vietnam. I said it could have been six or seven nil. Turned out to be three nil three nil. And it was there was a lot of games where we seen that like there wasn't many massive massive results. Yes, there was a couple, but there wasn't many massive results. And like it's been great. I would like to talk about the other games as well from that have played were played yesterday, Breffney as well, because yeah, run through them. That's the one that the ones that we sort of had the conversation about on the last podcast was Spain wanting to avoid Norway. Yeah, I think I think Japan's performance against Norway, Japan were phenomenal, particularly in that second half. But um, I know we talked about. Uh, uh, I'm going to butcher names here now, but uh, is it Miyashawa? Miyashawa. Uh, she was just phenomenal. Uh, two goals yesterday. Um, she's been so she's been so impressed in, in the tournament so far. And uh, Japan, I think for me, are, are one of the dark horses. I wouldn't be surprised to see Japan put on a really big push to get to the final here. They've a nice, they've a nice, a nicer side of the draw, a nicer side of the draw as well. It's not like the thing about Japan is everybody sort of thought are Japan's golden generation gone. They put a lot of work into their, to their youth systems, their underage, and really push to try and have success in, in the underage tournaments. And I think that's sort of paving the way. You can see with other countries when they've done the same thing, that they've had an awful lot of success. Like, you look, America haven't had as much success at underage now because these sort of teams are coming along, putting a lot of investment in. And, like, <laughs> to be honest with you, Japan are the sort of team, and I know you mentioned the likes of France and France and England and Spain. Japan could be one of them that really shock a lot of people. Got got to the World Cup, got to the final in about 2015. So it's only it's only it's only eight years ago their last final appearance, and I, w- I wouldn't be surprised if they do go on. Like the pop, the thing for me is I know this late in the second half, the game sort of opened up a little bit, but before the game opened up. You could really see Japan technically they were brilliant. The way the coach interacts with the players is brilliant. It's just sort of the whole thing is about, you know, keeping the players going, keeping keeping pushing on. And like Japan have been very, very good in the, in, the, in this World Cup to watch. And they've sort of, how would you say initially they were probably a little bit under the radar, people talking about everybody else, but now people are really are rightfully starting to talk about Japan and talk about Japan sort of going deep in this tournament and like the way they took Norway apart with the likes of Hansen and Hedeberg, like at times you you look in this late in the second half, Hedeberg is nearly forced into a, a half volley shot. That's that's sort of with a defender in between her because she's not getting any sort of space. And like I think from back to front, you have to be impressed with with, with Japan's performance yesterday. Yeah, hundred percent. As some other important, we talked about Spain uh, being a bit disappointed in that clash with Japan. I believe they tried to. I believe they were aiming to finish second in that group. Uh, it's worked out for them regardless. They now are into the quarterfinal of the big 5-1 victory against Switzerland. Um, I'm a bit surprised by maybe the scale of this, although not quite surprised to see Spain progress, if that makes sense. 5-1 seems a lot generous based on how Switzerland were through the early stages. Yeah, I sort of thought this game would be be a lot closer, but then again, that Switzerland group was all over the place. That Switzerland group was all over the place, the fact that they were holding on holding on late, late for their life to, to sort of get through against, against uh, New Zealand. So maybe maybe finishing the, in the group sort of flattered, flattered them a little bit. But that group was sort of a, was a weirdo group, the fact that teams are beating teams in that. And, and it was, I think it was New Zealand beat Norway. Norway beat Philippines and the Philippines beat New Zealand. So it was, you know, it was one of them weird, weird ones in that sense. But then again, 
Like how good are Switzerland? They're not, they're not overly great, so I wasn't surprised to see Spain sort of put on a put on a bit of a, a, a bit of a show against them. For Spain, it's probably it's probably a bit needed just to sort of turn around and tell people, hey, listen, we're still here. That that game against Japan, don't worry about that. And I think that's sort of what the mindset was going into that game, and yeah, so. could have factored them delivering on delivering a five, a five goals as well. Like they'd have, they'd be really happy going into the quarterfinals. Yeah, but they do face the Netherlands. The Netherlands this morning, in the early hours, they overcame South Africa, who've had a fantastic tournament uh, so far. Banyana, Banyana have impressed everybody, both on and off the pitch. Uh, their tournament ended this morning in the early hours of the Irish day, at least. your your mid-afternoon, I'd imagine, uh, over there in Melbourne. But um, the Netherlands finalists, of course, the last time, will be looking to, to go again and, and repeat that task. And maybe with the US out, uh, might even be looking to go one further. With top of the group, though, as well, as a... As a... You know, for them, for them, it was it was a big statement holding the, the US to a draw and then beating by beating Vietnam by more. I think I think Netherlands are sort of going, they're going okay. I think I still think the fact that they're missing Vivian Niedermayer is a is a massive loss. Daniel van der Donk is suspended for the next game. Seen a couple of comments today on social media. I don't know what your opinion is, Brefni, of the two yellow cards in the competition and the suspension. She got the first yellow card on the opening game. Hasn't been yellow carded in three games in the next couple of games and then picks up a yellow card. It's a bit of a, it's a touchy one, I, I think. It's a bit of a, it's a bit of a difficult one for the fact that, you know, you, the previous yellow card, but like you, you now see on social media before every game, you're seeing all the stuff of how many, how many players are on yellow cards, how many are one away from and I think that's sort of the, the text a little bit from it for me. I don't know. I think there has to be a repercussion uh, for consistent fouling. And I think, uh, where do you draw the line? Do you make it three? And at that point, you become more likely to miss a potential final down the road um, after picking up three yellows in six games. Uh, or do you exempt it from a final, which to me is ridiculous? I would. I, I don't know. I, I just think it's there's an argument for both. If that makes sense, and I think, I think to, if, I'm, if I'm not mistaken, it games at the moment because I've been we've been covering that on the platform over the last few months, um, and you can get booked in every single game in the entire season, and no suspension served. I think it's if you get two black cards though in a season, you get you get one. I think I think, but come here for me. I think after the quarterfinal they reset the yellow cards, but it's sort of a it's sort of one where it's nearly should it be reset after the group stage, even if it's if you pick the one in the group. If you if you get your two in a group, you're suspended for a game. But then after the knockout, it's two yellow cards. In the which Katie McCabe picked up two yellow cards. So does she miss the no. first game in qualifying, or does she miss? She doesn't miss any. She doesn't miss any game because it's a new tournament. Okay. But the, uh, it's but then, it's, but then it's, again in, in the World Cup situation, it's in the World Cup qualifiers, it's three yellow cards. Because you can see Jamie Jamie Finn picked up the third yellow card against Finland and missed Slovakia away in, in the qualifiers. Two or three. I don't think it makes a whole pile of difference. I think I think it adds to the whole atmosphere of a tournament. I think it adds to uh, the squad depth requirements of a tournament that you need to have teams um, that are more than just 11 players and that you have to... And coaches and players have to acclimatize and get used to the idea that a player might not be available. And I think that's all part of tournament football. I love tournament football. It's so much better than than over a season uh, in some respects because um, the smallest thing is magnified. Like a little tweak in training on a Tuesday ahead of a Thursday game becomes a national... Uh, Sam Kerr. Sam Kerr, prime exactly. example. But Sam Kerr could come back and score the winner in a 
in a World Cup final in Sydney, like that's still on the cards for Australia. I think she, I think she plays. I think she plays tomorrow against. Uh, I think she plays tomorrow against uh, Denmark. Yeah, well, that's what I mean. Like these tournaments, they they have become a kind of a, a live and breathing thing, and I just love it. Uh, we haven't talked about all the games in the knockout stages so far. One game still uh, we haven't quite chatted about is the uh, is the game between Japan and Norway. We touched on it slightly, but Japan they'll be really, really happy with that. They've kind of gone the right way about it, straight through the group, beating Norway, and now they even avoid the US, which would have been the, probably the team they would have expected to play. So they've kind of got the best of both worlds. Absolutely, absolutely. And like you can see, even from their, from their viewpoint, they were happy to put four past Spain and just say, okay, Spain, you don't want to win the game necessarily. We'll, we'll win the game. We, we'll, we'll win it convincingly. We'll go and beat Norway. And I think the mentality of that, of that team is just, let's just go and win. Let's just go and... Sort of get the get the results, get the get the wins. Let's just go and play play exciting football. Let's let's show the world what Japan are about. I think that that's probably the, the most impressive thing is is that they've stuck to the same way throughout the entire tournament. They haven't just tried to to tailor it on each game. They've been like, yeah, let's go, let's have let's have a bit of fun. And you can see they're enjoying themselves out there. And like even last night, you look there was an opportunity where. I'm, I'm going to attempt her name. You said her name, her name earlier. Um, the goal, the goal, yeah. It's got when she when she had scored after scoring the second goal, there was a chance where she could have shot and she tried to pick out a teammate at 3 1 up. That sort of thing just shows me like you know, they're playing together, they're playing as a team, they're playing and I like that. I really, really, really have been impressed with Japan and I'm looking forward to seeing how they get on in the quarterfinal. And I wouldn't be surprised if they go if they go really, really deep in this tournament. Yeah, let's talk about the four games that are left in the other half of the draw. Of course, all of these eight teams uh, progress into one final place on that uh, lower end of the draw. Australia, Denmark, uh, they play tomorrow at 11.30 a.m. Just before that, England, Nigeria, they meet at 8.30. So plenty of activity on a, a Monday, morning, Monday morning for uh, for the Irish. Um, and then the following day, we have a 9 o'clock kickoff in the morning again against Colombia and Jamaica. Probably two of the sides not fancied to go that far, but uh, as you mentioned, Colombia probably one of the dark horses so far. And then France and Morocco that will have a lot of um, local interest as well. I think the fact that the two countries have such a close tie politically, close ties uh, culturally, um, France and Morocco could be one to watch just for those reasons. Although you would expect France to get through that relatively easily. Right, I'll start. I'll I'll, I'll go through. I'll go through them all because I've some I've some interesting opinions on some of the games here. Okay. I'm looking. I'm looking forward to England, 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 and Nigeria. That's next. That's that'll be my last World Cup game, unfortunately. Um, flying back across the flying back up to Brisbane tomorrow morning to to head to Suncorp tomorrow evening for that. I can't wait for that. Uh, the fact the way Nigeria have just attacked this tournament has been something else. The way they the way they destructively took apart Australia in in Brisbane was, was something to behold. I think against Ireland, they sort of didn't really want to pick up any knocks. They sort of just wanted to see the game out because if you look at how, how early Canada went behind it, I don't know if you'd seen the the sheet that was doing the rounds around social media with the fact of if Canada went behind, what sort of results Nigeria could afford. And I think once Canada went 1-0 down, once Nigeria didn't lose 3-0 to Ireland, they were true. So it was sort of a case that you could, you could see that they were... They were sort of taken taken a handy enough because you have to remember there's been a lot of a lot of commotion this World Cup over the fact of financials for financials for Nigeria. The money the Nigerian FA are going to get through for just getting through. The money the players will get through. Like the money doubles for making the last sixteen. So for some of these players, 
getting potentially getting sixty thousand dollars is an awful lot of money. So you could see why they didn't want to necessarily risk it against Ireland when they didn't need to. So for me, I think I think against England they're gonna come out all guns blazing, they're gonna come out, they're gonna try playing a lot of attacking football. And I think England need to be careful because they could they could put up a type of an Australia type performance again and really running England really close. I think I think it will be a it will be a difficult game for for England. I do expect England to get over the line, but I wouldn't be surprised if we if we end up in something like extra time again tomorrow in, in this one. Um I do think it'll be I, that game for me. I think is also uh, the Nigerian left back who's been very impressive the whole way through the the competition. Plumtree uh, is from Leicester, English girl, born to a Nigerian dad, I think. Um, but she's uh, been playing for Nigeria for the last few years, and uh, for her, I suppose it'll be a big occasion uh, to get a chance to play against her native country for her adopted country. I call her out on social media actually after the Australia game. Any idea why? Oh, no idea. What did she do? She was wearing two odd boots. One was one was black and one was white. You know that's the fashion now. You're not down with the kids anymore, Aaron. You're old. Like the rest of us. <laughs> I seen her straight away and when I was in, when I was in the stadium and I was like, is she, she had to lose in a boot? Because it was the same colour as the sock and I started looking to see if she'd lost a boot. And someone else even tweeted back to me saying that no, she's definitely wearing two different colours. But she's been brilliant for them. I think uh They've, they've all been very good from a Nigeria viewpoint. I think the Nigerian goalkeeper tomorrow will be quite busy, so she'll have to be on it. She'll have to be on her toes. It'll be it'll be it'll be a cracking game. The fact that it's on it's on a five thirty over here as well gives people time. There's there's three hours between that and the Australia and Denmark game, so there's time for hopefully get back to a fans on after and watch the the second game, which I think will be a very good game. I think. Australia need to risk Sam Kerr. There's no if, buts, or maybes. They've been able to give her the extra couple of days to rest, not having to bring her off the off the bench. But I think they will have to risk her against Denmark. I think Denmark will be a, Denmark will be a step up for them. Canada are sort of all over the place, and I'd expect that Denmark will push them all the way for Australia. It's sort of a bit of it's a, probably a bit of a mixed emotion because it looked as though they were going to go back to they were going to go to Brisbane. Everything had been set up for them to be back in Stadium Australia in the Olympic Stadium is again, and then. People are thinking, is it going to happen? Are they going to end up back in Brisbane? And on the way, the results fell out in the last night for them with Nigeria drawn. They'd be delighted to be back primetime television in Australia. It'll be a massive audience. I think Denmark will make it difficult for I do. I do see Australia coming through. I'd, I'd probably see them winning two, two or three one in that game. Um, you mentioned about Colombia and um, Colombia and Jamaica. Yeah. I was fascinated your day with the Colombian fans in Brisbane in the fan zone. Definitely, there must have been three or four thousand Colombian fans in the fan zones in Brisbane. Place was hopping. There wasn't a seat around. But in a country like Australia, is that not to be expected? Like, I know we, we're very aware of people who are over there from here, but I think every country in the world has people in certain countries. America, England, uh, Australia, New Zealand, even would tend to be those countries that attract a huge migrant population, transient coming through for a stage in their lives. Yeah, absolutely. But I was just blown away with the with the amount of Colombian jerseys. And when Colombia scored the first goal, when Casado scored the first goal, especially two days after after she started collapsing on the training pitch, the place just erupted. It was an unbelievable finish. The way she took it with her right foot into the top corner of Germany, and then when Germany equalised, I sort of think it's only going to go one way. But Colombia just showed that little bit of bite, that little bit of fighting. They just really, really brought the game to Germany and deserved that win. But then again, you look on the other side. Jamaica haven't conceded a goal in the World Cup. Becky Spencer's been superb for them. They've got a draw against France, a draw against Brazil. Like, 
who do you make favourites into this game tomorrow? That's the question. Well, I think Colombia will go in as favourites, but I think they'll go in with a big heavy asterisk after their name because I think Jamaica have been probably the story of the competition. Becky Spencer has been class. The two Swabi sisters have been just immense. Uh, they've been very, very reliant on, um, I suppose, the the experience of a couple of other players as well. Bunny Shaw, Bunny Shaw from Bunny Shaw has been immense, yeah. If, if 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 they can really get her in that game tomorrow, she can make she can give serious problems to that to that Colombian defense. And like this is on sorry on Tuesday, but this is the sort of game that could be a three all a four all game, or else it could be a boring nil all. It's that sort of nobody really knows what way the game is got the way the game is going to go. And I think that's the exciting thing about the World Cup is the fact that we can't just say it's definitely going to be one team. Three all is a bit ambitious now. Jamaica have only managed one goal in three games. Yeah, but that are Panama. So um, it's it's unlikely we'll see Jamaica be uh, a free flowing attack inside, taking it to the opposition. But uh, a nil nil, a penalty shootout, it's not beyond the realms of possibility. We'd love another penalty shootout, wouldn't we? We haven't had enough of them. I'm, I'm <laughs> I nearly just have a, a World Cup just of penalty shootouts. Forget this, uh, playing 90 minutes or 120 minutes, just go straight to the penalty shootout. I'd love to see that. I'm not going to lie. Imagine that a tournament, a one day tournament, World Cup, all the best players in the world, just penalty shootouts. Floyd, Floyd, I mean, played on some some exotic, right? Not exotic, somewhere like time, necessarily put a football pitch in Times Square and play it somewhere oh, yeah. like that. Somewhere so, immense. That'll be class. Um, every, every 15 minutes, a brand new penalty shootout. But oh, you God. pay for it. That's the thing. You pay to oh, watch pay-per-view. it. Pay-per-view. You'd make an absolute fortune. FIFA, if you go with that, I expect at least a 5% royalty on it. Um, but no, it's it's been a World Cup full of excitement. We've seen so many big, great goals, so many great saves particularly. And I think that for me, I suppose women's football or women's sport has always been a cr- very... The external people around the game, people who aren't involved in the game, have always been very critical about a number of things. Um, judging a flight of a ball has been an, has been an area that gets huge criticism from from from. Um, we see it in Gaelic games as well, you know, where the ball you run towards the ball, all of a sudden it's, it's back where you were, and for whatever reason it's been misjudged. Goalkeeping has always has been heavily criticised through the years in women's football as well, and it's so good to see some outstanding saves. We saw one or two today from the Swedish girl. Uh, you mentioned uh, Spencer from Jamaica has been immense. Um, Bro- Courtney Brosnan pulled off one of the best saves I've ever seen in the game the other day. But probably about half the goalkeepers in this competition have pulled off saves that are actually like noteworthy in terms of actually having an impact on the game, keeping their side in the competition. Um, it's been phenomenal. From Mary Earps pulled off one late on um, as well in, in one of their games. Like We've seen this across the board. Isn't it great that we're talking about this? Yeah, yeah, 100%. It's, it's great to see the standard of individual players and teams and tactics. Like I think back to games I would have watched, and I'm not a, I wasn't a huge believer in the early stages of the, of the World Cup before because we saw 11 nils. Argentina, I remember getting tonked once 11-0. I don't think I watched another game in that tournament, and I'm a fan of the game. So now it's super exciting. Every team is capable of pulling off a shock against any team. The top two teams are out, uh, going on FIFA World Rankings. Sweden are now the highest-ranked team in the competition and still not the favourites to win it. So it's it's going to be exciting, I think, uh, over the next few weeks and months. Do you know what, like... In terms of the like, when you're talking about the the, the lesser teams putting performances, like I really enjoyed France Panama during like, thought it was a great game. It was what 
the six six three five three in the end. Unbelievable. I don't know if you've seen um, the, the free kick that the Pan- Panama player scored there early on from about 30, 35 yards out. Buried it right into the top corner. Emma Hansbury on Instagram had an unbelievable video from behind, literally behind it. It was just scintillating. And like the game had three penalties in it, had absolutely everything. And like the games are, ha- the, the thing is, there hasn't been many boring games. That's the best part about it. There hasn't been many that have just been like, ah, it's been, it's been poor. Like a lot of them have been brilliant. And like when we sit down after this World Cup, and sort of re- reflect on it and look what's been our game of the, game of the World Cup. It's going to be a hard one to pick. It's yeah. going to be it's going to be a hard. We're probably going to get to a stage that we'll come with two or three each, and sort of have a chat about them because it's been one of them that it's just been so hard to pick what what game because different people have liked different games for different reasons. Like it's just been it's been truly enjoyable, and that's probably the most most the best part about it. like getting to experience. Ireland in the World Cup is obviously is amazing, but like some of the other games have been have been right up there as well. Have been right up there as well, and it's it's definitely been a it's definitely been a turning point. I think in women's football, this World Cup has hundred percent, and I think the way maybe we're a bit more open to it because we're in it and it's on our TV channel for the first time. Uh, although I have memories of us covering games at the last games and at the last World Cup on RTE, but uh, it, it's great to be so engaged in it. Everybody's talking about it at home, which is great. Now maybe that might die down again. Uh, before we let, we let you go, because we are running out of time today, um, there's a couple things I want to talk to you about. I want to talk to you about a couple. The fallout of the Irish um, elimination from the competition has been raging on for the last week here in Ireland, and as well as that, we also have. Um, the return of the of the league this month, the domestic league, which of course is the main focus of this podcast normally, and will be again in, in a couple of weeks' time. But it's it's been an interesting week in Irish football. We've seen Vera dancing. We've seen Vera get stick for her dancing. Definitely wasn't a jig. But um, your thoughts on that whole situation? Of course, former host of the show here, Alana Canan, the one who who, who uh, shared that. I think half a million people have seen it on Twitter now. Um, in your thoughts on that, Vera, her days seem to be numbered. The FAI seem to be kind of a, almost on a on a silence about it, which which always ends badly for the person at the subject of the silence, if that makes sense. Is Vera the last person to discover she's not going to get a contract renewed uh, in this situation, or can we assume that that's the case for the FAI now? I think as soon as the FAI stopped the contract negotiations pre-World Cup, I think that for me... It would have taken something astronomical to sort of change that and to sort of put it back onto the trajectory that she was going to be giving them a new contract. I can't see it happen. Like, it's difficult because we sort of been in the women's game. We sort of we sort of know some of the ins and outs of of things that happen and things that go on. And like the problem, the problem here is is that Vera sort of seen upon as the, the darling of Irish football now by by the fans and maybe because a lot of them aren't on the inside. Of the women's game, they don't necessarily have a full hundred percent picture of what's going on. Like I've seen some journalists being sort of tarnished as, "Oh yeah, all you've ever wanted to do is get Vera out, get Vera out." When some of them probably, yes, some of them probably had had done things where they talked about Vera potentially not coming back, but they've also highlighted when things have done well. Like listen, I said on the podcast last week to get her into a World Cup, Vera Powell deserves an awful lot of credit. But as you said, and we've had the conversation numerous times, I, there's just too much baggage to continue the process as, as is. Like, listen, 
an awful lot of credit has to go to her. I've had ups and downs where, you know, I've, I've called for, yes, potentially after the Ukraine campaign the last time, it's sort of one for me that I sort of said, maybe it's time for her to go because tactically in that game, we were we were horrific. But she's got her into a World Cup. She, she's, she's imposed her style. It hasn't always been pretty. It, it won't always be pretty. And just with what's come out in the last year, I, 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 like I sent the, the Kristen Press video to you the other day where Kristen Press talked about being traded to, to the Houston Dash and didn't want to play because of the culture that was being created. And that was when Vera was there. And like that's the first time we've sort of seen a player come out publicly and yeah, from, put a name to it. For me, the card was marked with Tyler Toland back in the day. I, I, I did meet Tyler... Um, Years ago, uh, when we set up Sligo Rovers back in the day, under 17, uh, we had a, a fun day for the kids that morning, and Tyler Tolan came along. Um, that morning, she was phenomenal. Uh, she was just to have to break it into the interna- into the Ireland squad. Uh, the the local kids just absolutely loved her. She must she must have got cramp in her hand from signing so many autographs that day. Um, and we had her there in her Ireland kit. She was the absolute perfect role model and inspiration for those youngsters who had a, a bit of ambition just to play the game and maybe see where it took them. Um, some of whom have gone on to play for Ireland at under 15, 16 level in the last five years. So um, she was basically cast out of the, of the Ireland squad by Vera uh, with a huge cloud over maybe was, Vera's behaviour and her I maturity. Was the, I, was at the first press, I was at the press conference that day when she went after the... Ukraine game and to me the comments that Vera made that day none of them should ever be made publicly they should have all all been done privately if you don't like a player you don't don't write a player you don't think a player is fair enough that's fine that's your opinion but the problem is is as soon as you start getting into the public domain and you start talking about a player in a public domain who was with a professional club in Man City at the time that's not right either and you know you start criticising the coaches in Man City you start to start Doing it. That's not right, and that sort of that set the tone from from an early on, early stage on with Vera. And like, I still have the clip, I still have the audio from from that press conference where where she mentions Tyler. And when you look back on it, you knew Tyler's days were numbered. Off the back of that, um, it was disappointing the way it was handled. Um, I don't think I'm, I'm going to play devil's advocate a little bit here as well. I don't think the way the father acted in the public was probably the best way either. Um. And then it sort of got into a bit of a, a spit match. You 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 do this, you do this, and sort of one goes, the other goes. Nearly, and it did it did didn't look good for anybody. Not just not just Vera, but the way it finished sort of didn't look good for Tyler. I will say this on Tyler Toland though. I hope the new Blackburn manager puts an arm around her and just sort of nurtures that talent there because the last couple of years have been tough. There's no doubt about it, the last couple of years have been tough. I hope he just puts an arm around the shoulder and says, do "You know what, Tyler? I want to see you back to your best." Let's let's do this together. She signed a two-year contract with Blackburn as well. She's a little bit of security. She's going to play in the second tier of English football, and if she plays regularly. There's no doubt that if Vera goes, the future manager will have to have a look at Tyler and, and sort of. But I think Tyler's a lot of work to do herself to get back into the oil and reckoning as well. And I think she is capable of doing it. I think so. I think she's a talent that we should be looking at, and I think there's a, a lot of players out there who who have that talent to kind of come back into the oil and reckoning that. And bridges burned, and, and the problem I see is that nobody seems to be burning bridges except Vera, in in my opinion. Like everybody, mm-hmm. nobody else seems to have fallen out with each other. 
they all just seem to have fallen out with Vera and and that like at some point when you're when everybody is is on your case you kind of have to look in the mirror and go well I'm the common denominator in all of this drama yeah, but she she hasn't got that in her to actually look in the mirror and that's the problem like for me like I'd love to see the likes of Megan Mackey get a crack with Ireland played played on 19 captain Ireland on the 19 smashing footballer in the middle of the park has played in, played for Harvard the last couple of years like there's no reason why we can't have a strong strong structure with players with a conveyor belt of players that are coming through I think this is where the most important thing off the back of the World Cup is, is how are we going to capitalise on it? Are we just going to say, okay, listen, we'll continue to do what we're doing? No, we can't. If we want to capitalise on it, we need a strong National League. We need a strong international structure the whole way through, starting from the younger age as well. Um, bring it the whole way through. The National League needs an awful lot of work. There's potential that we need more stuff with the underage National League, cl- National League clubs. I will say this, and I don't want to sound, sound bad when I say this, though. I don't want to see them just rush in to bring a second tier into the National League. They need to have it structured and have a proper organize, organized when they do bring it in. Have the, have the strategic plan in place, because I think the strategic plan that was set out a couple of years ago sort of needs it needs adjustment now, and they need to see how they can capitalize off the back of it, because there's no, without, without involvement from every stakeholder, Irish football would just stay stagnated, and it can't afford to stay stagnated with, with other countries, other smaller countries moving on and sort of pushing on and, and developing a lot, a lot quicker than we have been. Yeah, I agree with you completely on pretty much everything you've just said. Uh, bringing it back to the National League that you've just mentioned, of course, uh, the transfer window has closed for all the clubs. They're back in action in just a couple of weeks. We'll have uh, the first games in just, I think, two weeks' time. Galway United and Cork City uh, will kick us off early on the 19th of August, but there's a full round of fixtures down for that day. No Champions League, of course, for Shells until September this year. It's a little bit later than the normal, but they'll uh, go to... Um, I'm not sure where their, their games are, but they're... they're going play- to Lithuania, Ginger. Yeah, so they, they face... Exactly. Uh, potentially two games over there to get into the, the first round proper of the, the Champions League. Uh, but the two biggest, I suppose, uh, surprises, I wouldn't call them surprises, but the two biggest announcements of the uh, the campaign seem to be the signing uh, from DLR of Joy Ralph and also um, the signing of, um, oh, name escapes me now, Scarlett Heron from Athlone by Shamrock Rovers. They seem to have decided they want to compete for this, for this uh, title, uh, are they too far behind Piedmont at this point? And are we looking at Rovers being the favourites maybe to lift the FAI Cup this year? Probably, yeah. Nice cup, nice cup draw for Rovers. I think they've they've got a they've got a pretty handy enough cup draw. I think from in terms of the league, I think they're probably just too far back with the, with the results that Piedmont have. The, the games that Piedmont have left, they've no shells, no Rovers, no. Uh, I think did they have Wex? I don't think they've worked. They've no Wexford either. Yeah, yeah. So they've literally just got. The teams below the teams below the top four, so you'd you'd expect Piedmont to sort of cruise, cruise through that. And for Rovers, yeah, if they can get a cup, I think Scarlett Heron is probably the son they do need. Interesting enough, Orla DC's also left Wexford Youth as well. I want to mention that with was smashing, smashing player for them, um, for for Cork last year. So it'd be interested where she goes. Like to see her back in Cork, but I don't know whether uh, she may or may not do that. Uh, of course, these people all have lives as well outside of football that impact on uh, decisions about where they play. It didn't quite work out for Orlando and Wexford. No, no, and I think for the second half of the season, I sort of expect with Ellen Malloy going to come back in. I, I expect Cork, uh, Wexford will just go experience only. They'll target the cup and they'll be looking to see how high they can finish in the league. 
So I think youth will probably youth might get a little bit of a, a push aside for the second half of the season because I think Wexford just sort of need to restore a bit of pride after the disappointing first half. Yeah, it's been a, a bit of a gap now. Uh, five points behind Galway in fifth and nine points behind Bowes, 11 behind Rovers and Shells and, and no real opportunity to close that gap either. Only eight games left in the competition oh. and you can't see them closing that big a gap. Shells and Rovers, six points behind P-Mount. Um, are we looking at that being a done deal as well? James O'Callaghan is probably going to call me every name under the sun for saying this, <laughs> but with their fixtures in the second half of the season, I can't see Pimo dropping many points. Yeah, it's going to be rough. Uh, at the bottom of the table, Cork, Sligo, Treaty, all kind of uh, struggling. DLR pulled into that a little bit as well. They'll be disappointed with how their season's gone. I know we've seen a change of manager there. A lot of players out, uh, new faces in. Can DLR rescue what's been a really poor season from their point of view? It'll be very difficult. It'll be very, very difficult. I think if you're looking at the bottom half of the table and Treaty are the one that I'm looking forward to seeing again. A couple of, couple of good signings brought in, decent signings brought in for that level during the window. I think DLR will probably get sucked in a little bit more, but they should have too much quality to sort of be pegged back into that bottom three, I think. Clone as well, the new manager there. A uh, couple of signings as well. They've also brought in... Um, Ray, Ray Monmouth University again. Another alumni uh, has joined the squad, so she should be a, a big addition to them too. I'm bringing in Ken Kiernan as well as a coach. Um, Ken coached at Shelburne under-17s as well. Kildoff is bringing someone in with a bit of experience of the National League as well. And I think that's probably a, a good a good move as well because I think for Athlone, it's, it's hard to know what the second half of the season is going to be. Two new keepers in Athlone as well during the, the summer transfer window. Uh, that's a bit of a statement from Kildoff that he is looking to shore things up at the back and, and make them harder to beat. Uh, a player, name escapes me off the top of my head, but it's a Harvard graduate um, has come in as goal, as well as the sign of Katie Keane from Shells. We talked about Katie, particularly at the start of the season at Shells. We thought she might have a big impact. Didn't really get much game time. I know she came on as a late sub in Sligo, but um, didn't really get much game time outside of that. And, and I suppose she's making a move. She might play over here. Yeah, yeah. I think she, she could... She could do well here. She could do well at Lone if she gets an opportunity. And like I'd ha- I'm not going to lie, I'd have her go up with Shelburne. I would have had her go up with Shelburne. I think she's a smashing young goalkeeper. I would have given her much more of an opportunity. Um, but listen, she had to make the move. It was probably the right move for her at this stage of her career. Yeah, I think she needs to play and uh, she has a good chance of doing just that down in Athlone for the rest of this season. But as she said, uh, also competition coming in. But that's what you want as a player. You want competition. It pushes everybody on. So uh, interesting to see how that pans out over the course of the next few weeks as uh, the season progresses and resumes, I suppose. In in terms uh, of the World Cup, though, just to finish up, um, with the top two, ranked teams out of the competition now germany and america uh where do you think the world cup is gonna reside in uh, just over two weeks time I, th- I still think it's gonna end up in europe i definitely think it's gonna end up in europe i think it's i wouldn't write sweden i wouldn't write sweden off uh, england's probably now our favorites but with the players they're missing it'd be extremely difficult i wouldn't i wouldn't write the swedes off and i, I think it's it's hard. I just hope Spain don't win it because one of the lads will never hear the end of it. If Spain, if Spain win the World Cup, so uh, I just don't want Spain to win it. But I think, I think, I don't know. It's it's any one of the any one of of, of the four of, of the Netherlands, Spain, uh, Netherlands, England, Sweden, 
and France. One of them, one of them four, will, will, I think, will win it. As we progress back into the domestic season in a couple of weeks, of course, the FAI Cup comes in at the end of the month. Uh, some interesting ties. Piedmont, we've pretty much said, we think are not going to be reeled in um, at the top of the league. But who are your bets? You've kind of bigged up Wexford a little bit. We think Shamrock Rovers are going to be there thereabouts when it comes to the cup as well. Bowles will be, will be a good, Bowles will be a decent bet for the cup. For the cup, I think to have a good cup run. Got to the semi-finals last year, just unlucky not to a penalty against Shelburne away from away from playing the final. I think Bowles will be if, if the draws going to them, I think Bowles could be the, could be one of the sides potentially to so get Bowles, to the final. Bowles face Cavan Teeley, they would be favourites to come through there. None of the non-league sides uh, even managed goal in the FAI Cup last year, as far as I can remember. I could be open for correction on that, but it was. I think it was fairly one-sided in those games last year. Uh, the non-league teams this year, of course, Cavantili host Bohemians. No no clear indication as to where that game is going to be held. Carlisle Grounds. Where? Carlisle Grounds. Excellent. Uh, Terranio Rangers and Cork City. That game, Richmond Park maybe? I think I think I, was, I, think I thought I was seeing something say it wasn't Richmond. It wasn't? I was. I thought I saw something yeah. to say it was. I need to double check that. We will double check these fixtures. Kilesa, uh, Johnny Carney travel to Shamrock Rovers and Bonnegee, the short journey down the road uh, to Sligo. I think there's a potential um, for a banana skin there for Sligo. Bonnegee are a strong side, but they did get fairly well tonked in the uh, Intermediate Cup final. I, I can't see that. I can't see that happening. I think if you look at Cork City, beat them last year and Cork were struggling. I think it'll be a good experience for Bonaghy again. They'll have learned a lot from last year, but I just think Sligo should beat them. Bonaghy's side are very different from last year's team as well. A lot of new faces uh, in the Intermediate Cup final versus the, the FAI Cup first round game last year. Uh, Terran, or Cork. Could that be a potential? Is a better matchup than last year's? Well, Root Comfort sort of nearly said when the draw was made that you know, they're going to beat them. So, all pressure's on Taryn Euron that game. Yeah, she was a bit brave in that uh, press conference as well. Naive, potentially, but definitely brave. Um, so, neck on the block for the last act of the of the show, FAI Cup winners this year before we get kicked off in that competition. Bohemians. Be interesting times ahead. I think I'm actually going over Shamrock Rovers. I think the experience of the likes of Onyo Gorman with the, the youngsters coming through, I think uh, Shamrock Rovers have put too much into that team this year to uh, to not come away with some sort of silverware. I think it could be the FAI Women's Cup later in the season. Aaron, uh, it's our last dispatch from you, potentially, uh, unless we have a massive shock uh, in tomorrow's fixtures. We will catch up again at some stage around the semi or the quarterfinals uh, of the competition. But uh, World Cup winners at this point, England? I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go out on a limb. And I'm gonna say Sweden. I'm gonna get an awful stick now. I think England are gonna win. I think. Listen, England are a great bet. Great bet. I just, I just love to see Sweden do it. Oh, trust me. Every bit of my body that's saying England will win it is is fighting against me as well. But uh, it's England or Sweden for me. They've been the two best sides in my opinion. But I wouldn't rule out Japan. Japan are coming, and they could catch somebody off guard. Uh, they've been very, very impressive in the two games I've seen them play. Aaron, that's it for this week. Enjoy Melbourne. Enjoy your little flying trip back to Brisbane, and safe travels back to Ireland in the coming days. Talk to you soon.